Hey guys, welcome back to The Black Space. My name is Lexi and today I'm going to be talking about my experience as a first generation college student. Now before I talk about my first generation college experience, I want to do a quick disclaimer on what it means to be first generation. Now despite what a lot of legislation or literature says, first generation does not have any association with being a minority or low income. Although a lot of first generation students are minorities, they come from a wide variety of backgrounds, races. It is not always being a low income minority. Um, now first generation status is usually given to people that um, have parents that didn't attend college. For some schools, it could be if only one of your parents attended college or if both of your parents attended college in a different country, you can still go in as first generation. I was lucky enough to have been involved in a program that catered to first generation college students. Um, within that program, I was able to take a year long course that was dedicated to teaching first-generation students about the hidden curriculum of college. Now, hidden curriculum are um, unspoken, unlearned uh, mannerisms, ways um, to navigate college that people that have um, parents that went to college would know based off of their experiences. So this can be anything from how to speak to a professor, how to go to office hours, even um, how to address your professor, because some professors want to be called um, professor, some professors want to be called doctor, some professors are not doctors, so you can't call them a doctor, but um, yeah, like even tips like if a professor has PhD in their syllabus, you know, it's, it's more polite to call them a doctor than it is to call them a professor, stuff that, um, you know, first-generation college students just wouldn't know about. Um, Another aspect of hidden curriculum was certain feelings that first-generation students go through that they don't know how to verbalize or identify. Um, one of these feelings that we were taught was called imposter syndrome, which is something that I definitely experienced my first year of college. Um, during my college acceptance process, um, I was accepted into some schools that certain students who were generally in honors or AP classes didn't get accepted to and rather than congratulating me on my success I was told that I was only being accepted into these institutions because they were trying to meet a racial quota or um, because affirmative action I even had a student call me affirmative action because I got into so many schools now having that mindset and those things being told to me really um, affected me my freshman year. Um, imposter syndrome is feeling like you're a fraud or feeling like you don't belong in the space you're in, you're only here because of luck and all those around you are smarter than you, which is not the case at all. And I definitely learned that along the way, um, especially being a senior um, psych major in having um, a professor that would purposely assign articles that weren't 
that were peer-reviewed but weren't necessarily true and having these students just sit there and accept this information being told to them like I said this on many podcasts but like being told Martin Luther King was colorblind and he promoted um, colorblindness and just these outrageous claims that no one um, wanted to refute but going back to my first year being a first generation college student um I was also fortunate enough to move in a week early before any other student did with a group of students that were also first generation. So having that, you know, shared experience, that common bond um, really made the transition from, you know, moving away from home a lot easier because I had a somewhat large group of friends before I even started college. And for that first year, you know, we were pretty much our support system. Um, a lot of the first-generation students had some kind of disconnect from their parents because they didn't understand certain things that they are experiencing. Um, you know, my parents didn't attend college, so they didn't know about withdrawing from classes, um, changing majors. You know, you go in as pre-med, and all of a sudden you're an English major. You know, parents look at that, and they're so confused because they're spending all this money on you or if you're fortunate enough to go to a scholar or get a scholarship and go to school for free um they're seeing you go in as one thing come out as another so that's a really hard for some parents um also a disconnect from not being able to elaborate on the experiences that you're going through you know um telling your parents about like this paper you have to do and how you're stressed while a lot of the time, these parents are out here, you know, working their butt off to pay for school or help you pay for school. Um, yeah, just family communication is very hard. I was fortunate enough to have parents that were supportive of me going to college. You know, they um, helped me navigate college. My mom was looking up scholarships that I could be eligible for or um, just being on the phone with me to vent and to talk about, you know, um, disagreements with my roommate or some outrageous claim that a professor made, stuff like that. So having that support system as a first-generation student is so crucial, and I'm very happy that a lot of institutions now are taking it upon themselves to help first-generation students, help them navigate, because you are at somewhat of a disadvantage if you don't have someone in your family that um, is able to give you advice on um, this new experience that you're embarking on. But yeah, my um, first generation cohort really helped me navigate my first year. We had um, marketing events that we were able to connect with um, mentors that were actually able to help us along the way. I met um, a lot of, you know, cool professors, um, alumni that went through the first generation program that, you know, we're looking to help students. And that's one thing I definitely want to do now, um, especially now that I am graduated, I have those experiences. Um, I'm navigating how to apply for grad school, um, you know, running this business, doing this podcast. I want to share the knowledge I gained along the way to someone else that maybe 
want to not necessarily follow my footsteps, but has a similar um, blueprint of success that I have. One thing I um, think really helped me navigate college was changing my mindset from I have to get the A in this class or um, I have to get the highest GPA possible. So I'm just going to, you know, study, 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 memorize, memorize, pass this test and not retain it was to not use the information I was learning to necessarily get a good grade, but to apply it to things I'm passionate about. So I really, really don't enjoy forensic psychology. Shout out to everyone out there that's majoring in forensic psych. You know, you're going to get paid a lot gonna meet some interesting people but I have absolutely no interest in forensic psychology but I took a course in it because I um created a bond with that professor and I enjoy her as a professor so I decided you know what I'm just gonna go to her class because it's her um again no interest at all in forensic psychology but I learned certain um techniques or information from that class that allowed me to be critical of the juvenile justice system. Um, I was able to use some of the concepts from the class to critique things such as like fitness hearings, um, like the loose guidelines involved in fitness hearings, how it's always up to the judge's discretion if a juvenile should um, be tried as an adult and you know that um, having those loose guidelines allows for racial disparities within juvenile juvenile justice system. So things like that, or even philosophy. Now, I'm not going to get into you know, the, ra- the racial origins of philosophy or um, a lot of the beliefs that these people had, but I took a class called The Good Life, and it taught me about the importance of the other which I think also in some weird way helped you shape the black space. So it's not necessarily what I need, but allowing the other, so the other in this case would be um, the black community or the brown community come to me and show me what they need so I myself can go back in that community and give them what they want. So I'm not, you know, creating a company that's to serve my own benefit and to make me look good, but really to get this conversation going about um, mental health or even to advocate for more people of color to go in social sciences because right now we need social workers, especially ones that speak Spanish. We need therapists um, that are able to relate to this quote-unquote new demographic that's emerging, um, especially with the acceptance of or the increasing acceptance of therapy within minority communities, as well as this um, increase in diversity that's going to happen in America over time. If we don't have therapists that are able to relate to, um, you know, these demographics, we're not going to have that many people enrolled in therapy. So, again, just taking uh, bits and pieces from classes and using it to my benefit and that (laughs) that reduced my stress a lot in college it um allowed me to really engage in my classes even subjects that i was not passionate about 
Um, but yeah, that that was one thing I learned. Also, the importance of creating bonds with your professors, especially if you want to go even higher in your um, major. So like go on to like your master's or your PhD. You need um, letters of rec to get into graduate school. And you want to make sure that you have a close bond with that professor, that they know you and your interests and they're able to show that in the letter of rec because I know a few professors that will be, you know, nice to you in class, you get A's, but just because you get A's doesn't necessarily mean they like you. If they see that you're in class, like, goofing off, but you're still getting A's, you're not going to get that good of a letter of rec. Your prof- the professor's not going to directly deny you. Um, they just might, you know, hand in a shitty letter for you. But it's so important to create bonds with your professor. Now, I'm not advocating for, you know, ass-kissing or... Um, being friends with a professor that you don't agree with. So there might be a professor that has, you know, a lot of weight under their belt in his or her field, but you don't agree with um, their politics or, you know, what they're teaching. And although it might look good to get a letter of rec from um, a professor that is, you know, highly respected, if you don't agree with them, that bond is not gonna it's not gonna form um, to your benefit. Um, one way I recommend um, creating bonds with a professor is going to office hours. Um, again, if you have similar interests, you could talk to them about you know certain topics within the field. You can talk to them about their research. Professors love it when you talk to them about their research. Also. Um, speaking up in class, I know a lot of students, especially first-generation students with the imposter syndrome, you know, you feel discouraged from sharing your opinions because, you, again, you don't feel like you belong there. But, you know, it makes you stand out in class. Even if what you have to say is something small or even if you think it's wrong, nine times out of ten, you are right. Um, don't be that student that knows the answer and then the person to the right of you raises their hand and says what you're going to say and then you feel, um, you feel ashamed or you feel, you know, like shit because you knew the answer but you were too scared to, um, verbalize yourself. Now, being first generation, surrounded by people that have experiences, um, with family members going to college is something to get adjusted to. I had my first generation group of friends, but I also had people that had um, family that, you know, went through undergrad, even all the way up to PhDs. And there is a little bit of a disconnect in there, but again, you don't have to necessarily create friends um, that are solely first generation. Although it does help a lot and you're able to um, help each other, you know, when you're feeling these negative emotions because they understand what you're going through. Your friends that are first generation don't. That doesn't mean that everyone in college um, that has people that went to college doesn't experience the same feelings as you. But people that are first generation can relate to you in that way. Um especially me being a minority student at a PWI, 
that was something to get adjusted to. Again, coming from the valley, it's a big melting pot. Um, everyone interacts with everyone, but um, coming into my new space where not everyone was comfortable with interacting with people of different races was something for me to get adjusted to. Um, my family always likes to joke around saying that I didn't know I was black until I went to college because um, going to school where I went to, race wasn't always in the forefront of my mind. Growing up where I grew up, race didn't um, hang on me as heavy as it did when I went to college. I, um, I'm pretty sure I wrote a paper about, um, you know, really coming into my racial identity because of the just blatant disrespect and the racism I experienced from my first year roommate. Now, I was fortunate enough to, you know, kind of move away. I was far enough to where it was a new experience, but close enough to where, like, if I got homesick, I could, like, go home. I can see my friends that um, decided to stay back. I had people around me that were able to come and support me. But, um, yeah, just being in a place with people from different states was, it was mind-blowing. And then being in a place where, you know, not everyone is as um, accepting as you are. Um, I hate the word tolerant, but are having people that are white that aren't tolerant of other races and having to deal with that on a semi-daily basis was not fun um, as a minority student. Now, one thing that was hard for me to um, figure out later on was time management. I'm a person that doesn't like my will to be imposed, so giving me a, a timeline or a deadline, you know, I'll do it, but I'm not going to always enjoy it. But you go through these waves in college where you feel like... Um, you have free time, so you're going to go out, you're going to hang out with friends, you're going to go to a few parties, do whatever you have to do, but all of a sudden, you have three um, research papers and, like, a midterm due in two days, and you're sitting there like, oh, shit, I didn't study for any of this, I haven't started this paper, like, so, again, hidden curriculum, college comes in waves, so, um, sometimes you're really, really busy, sometimes you have so much free time that you're able to take a six-hour nap in the middle of the day, but yeah, now uh, managing my time was really something I had to learn, and I didn't get good at, and I'm, I'm gonna say until my actual senior year of college. Um, well, tips I learned, writing down um, what you have to do and crossing it off, and being able to like visually see what you accomplished is really helpful. Um, I always recommend doing your bed in the morning because it makes you feel like you um, accomplished something um, before you even started your day. So those are just like small little tips I picked along the way. Um, always ask your deans about um, scholarships that are available to people um, within your major or people of um, your race, religion, stuff like that, because there is so much money that is not being tapped into. Um, or if you're behind in tuition, you know, tuition increases 
every year for institutions. I think within my four years, my um, tuition went up, I want to say, like, maybe nine grand. I don't know. It was a lot. But um, if you can't afford tuition, um, talk to your deans. I like even if you're it's a pride thing get that free money <laughs> because that's going to help you you're not going to have you know the student loans to worry about or um you're going to be able to stay with an institution that's a lot of um you know stress money is stressful money in general is stressful and how to um manage your money in college is even stressful you know meal plans um Food insecurity was something that I saw a lot of my friends struggle with. And um, within my freshman year, I actually met a group of girls um, that were also passionate about food insecurity. And we started this little group called the College Affordable Food Experience, where um, we would try to reach out to the pantries, you know, have a food pantry on campus. And um, from that, the main... um, organizations on campus, you know, came and, like, used our idea to help create a food pantry on school. So that was um, something that a lot of students were facing that my own um, president didn't understand, you know, because, like, we are considered such a wealthy institution. They wonder how students can go um, broke and have no food. I... um, I know people that were using <laughs> Tinder, Tinder to get um, free food from dates, which is something that you wouldn't think college students go through, but, you know, the the stereotypes of ramen and stuff, that food's so bad for you, but it's, for some people, it's true, that's the case, because it's, it's hard to get, um, you know... It's hard to get money and be a student full time. You can you can, you can work full time, but it's gonna be really stressful. Um, you know, making friends that have um, or not making friends, but just having friends that had extra money, you know, really helped people. Um, and one thing I want to complain about was that a lot of people would have. Um, meal money meal plan money left over and the school wouldn't allow you to like transfer it over to someone else because once you're done with your meal plan especially if it's the second semester i believe that money just vanishes goes away because you already paid for it at the beginning of the year so i don't understand why there's not a a reserve for students that are out of meal plan money that um they can go into that reserve and you know get food to uh, last them the whole semester but again capitalism but um yeah my um my experience as a first generation college student was eye-opening for sure I'm thankful enough that I had supportive parents that I had a support system around me um that I was able to you know create friends that had similar experiences to me or I was able to meet professors that um, they themselves, some of them were first generation too, that just wanted to see you succeed as a student. You know, um, we're a small community, but we're a mighty community. There's so much um, increased awareness about first generation students, but there's still not enough. We still need more. We need more schools to um, create first generation programs. 
we need more schools to offer um, first-generation courses that really help students um, feel like they belong in the school. My class, I believe, used um, Harry Potter to relate to students on being first-generation. Um, we had, I think, a, what was it called? We had a class dedicated to talking about um, famous people that are first generation, you know, to really motivate us. Kind of like, again, kind of like what I do in the black space, like using um, the Spotlight Sundays to shed light on um, black psychologists or social workers or just people um, of color in the social sciences that made a difference. So you can see someone like you ex um, excelling in a field that you're interested in. Um, what else? Hmm. I would say overall, um, being a first-generation college student, it is a major success, and you will really feel that, that accomplishment and that sense of pride when you walk that stage and get that degree, when your mom or your dad or even... For me, it was my grandma. My grandma seeing me walk across that stage and understanding that, you know, all the hard work that the people before me did in order for me to get where I am today and also the hard work I did that allowed me to be in the space that um, I was in and allowed me to accomplish what I accomplished was just so rewarding. And you just feel great. And then also knowing that you yourself are going to be able to tell your children or even your nephews or just people younger than you that um, that are around you, that you're able to share your experiences and your knowledge with them and tell them about, you know, hidden curriculum or, you know, help them speak to a professor help them find that internship or tell them about those programs that exist that most students don't take advantage of. You know, just having that knowledge and knowing that I'm going to be able to pass that on to my future children is just, it's insane to me. Knowing that my kids are not going to have to be scared or, um, you know, have to look for or look at um, other sources for knowledge that I myself can, you know, offer this insight to them is just so rewarding to me, and I don't know how to verbalize it. But yeah, my first, um, or my experience as a first-generation college student was very informative. It was hard. Um, but at the end of it all, it was so worth it. So worth it, because one, I'm closer to my goals in my career, um, you know, a few more years of school and I'll be a therapist. Again, Black Space Incorporated coming soon. <laughs> um, but just, you know, just attaining that knowledge and knowing that you're able, you're going to be able to help others is just something that's so beneficial. And like going back to your community and sharing those experiences with those around you that weren't able to go to college is just so rewarding and that's all I have to say about my experience as a first generation college student again thank you so much for listening um you know be on the lookout for that merch that's being printed as we speak
Um, again, thank you so much for all the support that I've been getting on, you know, the Black Friday posts, Spotlight posts, um, Instagram, our Facebook page, our YouTube videos are going to be coming up soon. I'm thinking about transitioning the Black Space, not Black Space, the Black Sessions um, to video format. I'll still probably transcribe the interviews, but just allowing you to... Um, you know, more personally interact with the person that I'm interacting with, I feel like will be um, more beneficial. But yeah, that's it. Um, thank you so much again. And remember to stay liberated.